Welcome, you are listening to Ladies Who Genre, a podcast book club for ladies and not ladies who like to genre now and then. I'm your host, Morgan. And I'm your other host, Noelle. So this is not going to be a spoiler-free podcast, so if you have not listened to the book, listened, read the book, watched the movies, whatever, maybe don't listen to this podcast. I don't think there is a movie of this one. Not of this one, but we'll get there. Okay. Uh, Your trigger warnings is, dude, this is the Hunger Games. There is child-on-child murder and lots of adults doing whatever they can to make that as aggressive as possible, and like all kinds of shit goes down in these books. That is mad triggering if you have any trauma whatsoever in your life at all. So you've been warned. Speaking of, we this week are discussing The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes by Suzanne Collins, which is the Hunger Games prequel. I think it came out last year. Is that right? Let's see. I think it was announced in like late 19 and then released like April-ish of 2020. <laughs> have a pandemic and The Hunger Games is coming back for you. I mean, I don't know. In a way, it almost feels like a fitting timeline yeah. to release a super dystopian, the future is terrible type book. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Especially, yeah, yeah, anyway. Yeah, you get a little bit of like <laughs> escapism. Yeah. That's it, terrible. That's instead also of the t- real terrible. The escapism is actually worse than the thing you were living through, maybe, but maybe also not, but maybe, and therefore... Uh, does it make you feel better question mark but it's fake which i think is the important like thing that makes you feel better it's like i know this isn't real everything's okay yes uh what are you drinking oh uh today i am drinking what they describe as posca a kind of watered down wine with honey and herbs which basically it's it's mulled wine <laughs> oh, okay. I don't know. It sounded tasty, and I like the thought of adding honey specifically. I've I've done sugar a lot in the past, uh, but I don't know that I've often done honey. So that was kind of fun. Yeah, that sounds tasty. I'm I'm having vodka tonic because this book a made me need a drink and a hardcore drink. Mm. So that's what happened. I got a vodka tonic. Delicious. I don't really like vodka tonic, so <laughs> I would oh. rather have like had cranberry juice or something in it. But I had to feel the hunger, the pain of uh. the District Twelve in here, and then they're not gonna have cranberry. They're gonna have you know bathtub vodka, and and they'll ooh. like it. And they'll <laughs> like it. Actually, if I lived in District Twelve, I would totally drink all the time so yeah it sounds like they had some some fun drinks over there (laughs) yeah so how you been other than that i have been good i have been on a whole kick of like house improvement and home improvement situations we got a deck built we've got dirt all over the backyard with some new grass seed to make it Mm -hmm. extra beautiful It's, it's just been a time of improving this spring oh that's excellent my orchids bloomed and i was really excited about that today i was like sweet i'm a good orchid mama i have three orchids Aww. and they have not died or wait where's wood i'm knocking on wood right now <laughs> they haven't died yet and i've had them for like i've owned this house for eight eight seven years seven mm-hmm. years now and i got them as a housewarming gift and they haven't died and i feel super proud of myself and they bloom every year wow yeah no i've heard that orchids are tricky as heck uh, i have not engaged with that that thing yet but i've heard very tricky I have a sunroom, so that helps. And then I just basically put water on them once a week, but not too much and not too mm-hmm. little. And I sort of regulate. It's it's just the right amount. And as long as you do that, they take care of themselves, actually. 
It's not really that difficult. Only a few months ago, I kind of started getting into houseplants because you remember on the podcast, yeah. I talked mm -hmm. about growing seeds last summer, yeah. which was very fun. It, I really enjoyed it. However, it made me so incredibly sad that everything dies at the end of the summer because once I looked into the like the, the type of plants a bit more, uh -huh. that's the intention. That's how they work. You got some annuals. Yeah. And I realized I do not like that. It makes yeah. me feel like I failed, even if that's what they do. <laughs> uh -huh. So I got a few perennials, maybe six or seven different plants that they just stay the same the oh. whole year round. That's great. And they're supposed to be ones that are super easy for anybody like me <laughs> to keep yeah. alive. And it makes me feel so incredibly accomplished that they have not died. Like, I'm into that. Your one plant I was watching on Instagram the leaf opening. Mm -hmm. I think next time you get a leaf, you should put a time-lapse camera on it. I actually tried to. So unfortunately, it takes like a week for this leaf oh, to unfurl. Just kidding. So <laughs> whenever I put a time-lapse on it, like my camera could only go up for like to nine hours. Uh-huh, yeah. Like in a super sped up time-lapse like right. mode, right? Yeah. So I kept changing out the battery, like trying not to move the camera. Mm -hmm. And it just, mm, I feel like I need to figure out my time-lapse situation if I try that again. It's like we need to act, maybe don't film it in a time lapse. Like just put it on a GoPro and then plug it in and just leave it there, or like mm. get a, a nanny cam, basically. Yeah, I don't have any of these things, but yeah, it's it's definitely something I need to look into in the future. Do we have a GoPro? I have never really registered the fact that we have a GoPro. I wonder if I should look into that because, like, you know, maybe that could be a thing that I play with. That could be a new vlog style. You you yeah. like you strap it to your head. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And <laughs> <laughs> I just like I look like a um like a minion. You know how they have the like yeah. one eyeball in the middle <laughs> with that headlamp. Perfect. Yeah, I should wear suspenders. I could, oh, I could wear those. I made a pair of combination underwear at one point that made me look like an Oompa Loompa, but really it kind of is more minion-y. So yeah, you could dye them. What is it? Blue? Yeah, is that what they wear. Wear a yellow shirt. Perfect. I'm ready. <laughs> That's what I need. That's what this world needs. Is Noel as a minion just filming. <laughs> all right I should like we talk it. about this book yeah i i'm really excited to talk about this one do you want to give us the opening line yeah <laughs> wish me luck with this one hereby it is manifest that during the time when men live without a common power to keep them all in awe that they are in the condition which is called war and such a war which is every man against every man mm. it's very much what this whole book is about it's very heavy <laughs> Yeah. Which I, I agree. That's that's a pretty good match for the book. Yeah. So let me just roll right down to my Noelle's mess section where I can say <laughs> this book is really heavy. <laughs> it's kind of hard to read because um, that's like the first thing that I think about this book is that it is it is a very heavy book. Like, I mean, I guess I should have expected that with the Hunger Games and all because they're, none of them are exactly like light reading. This is not zesty and fun. Yeah, they I don't know. I feel like they take a very dystopian, hard topic, a, a world that's very unforgiving and make it as palatable as you can. As human, like yeah. interesting yeah you know you get to learn about the characters and their different motivations and things and i feel like this actually does a super good job of exactly that you get a little bit of backstory into why the hunger games began so for those of you who have read the original trilogy or seen the the movies for it it's it's super cool to see a bit more information into how this what seems to us absolutely freaking nuts 
concept, how it came about. Yeah. Like, that is really cool. This book is about Coriolanus Snow. And at first I thought it was going to be like a wicked kind of situation where they're showing us like that he's actually a good guy or something like that. And in fact, this book is a little bit like gaslighty for quite a bit with that. And then all of a sudden you go, oh, never mind. Just kidding at the end. But like, it's about Snow. And it was 64 years from where he is in this book to when the first Hunger Games book comes out. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know what we're going to call that episode for. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I didn't realize how old he was supposed to be in the future. Like that never was clear to me. And now, because he's like, uh, I would say like 17, 18 in this book, maybe like he's somewhere in there. Yeah. He's graduating basically high school and moving on to like, yeah, so he's got to be like 89 or something. Yeah. He's got to be pretty old. And I never really thought about that. So, cause he's, you know, played by Donald Sutherland, who is also ancient, I guess, now that I think about it, but like not, he, <laughs> he doesn't come off as like that. I mean, I, th- I thought he was like 60 something because in the in the hunger games they act like when when she finds out that he's dying anyway she's like oh, he's dying and i'm like but he's like almost 90 so <laughs> you know like yeah that seems about right yeah you know? no it totally does like if i was 90 i'd be like i can't believe i haven't died yet this is fantastic <laughs> I'm struggling to remember, did this world, I feel like so many of the different book series we've read, there's some kind of mechanic in the world that makes it so that various people can live extra long, like beyond what we consider normal. I don't remember anything like that in Hunger Games, do you? I don't, I don't remember any of that either. I know that they did have like medical technology that was available to people in the capital that was not available mm-hmm. to everyone else, but it didn't seem like it was like super life extending. It seemed like they took all of that power that they had and pushed it into making weird animals. <laughs> like instead of doing something useful, they were like, eh, let's screw around with this and see what Ooh, happens. And interesting like facial surgeries and stuff. Yeah. That was one of the things that tripped me out about this book that you find out that the lady tigress, who is in fact, she's in the books, but she's more so in the movies, mm-hmm. is actually Coriolanus's cousin, cousin? Yeah. and like loves him. Whereas late, if you watch like say the third Hunger Games movie, she's not, she's helping them to kill him effectively yeah which so can i show you what 64 years of uh, yeah i can do i want to know her story like how how is she like he also became president right and but she's still living in like squalor and shame and like some sort of like hidden basement area so i'm like why he seems to be really into her like he sent her money which he then stole back from her but like he seemed to be into her at the time so like I, I, I'm dying to know what happened there. Yeah. Although at the very end of the book, he he basically says, like, I'm never going to let anybody be close to me because that means that they have some level of control over me that I, ca- I cannot let happen. Yeah. That, and that kind of feels like what he has set as the this is how I'm going to think of all relationships with all people, especially women. Yeah. Mostly like in a romantic interest sense. But I could still see that being the case for family being like, no, I'm not going to let even family have a like hold on me yeah i could totally see that developing more and more over time as if you know a young man like throughout your 20s your mindset and your your way that you see the world changes like crazy i i bet he gets even more and more i mean he changes in like three pages on this book like Mm -hmm. you you're rolling along and you think oh he's gonna escape and he's gonna go to the north i was like how are they gonna tie this back into the hunger games and then like literally in the matter of like two or three pages of the book or like two minutes of audio (laughs) changes direction and like immediately decides to kill the person who he's with that he's supposedly in love with and i'm like what 
I I understand that he found the guns and stuff, but like I'm still like, wait, wait, huh? He so <laughs> I think it is a good example of what he has done throughout the whole entire book, which is he he's always after number one, which is himself. Not a, even his whole family, but like him. That is all he's ever been interested in, and everything he does is all about what is best for him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In one moment, what was best for him was to escape possible imprisonment for a crime that he had committed. And then one moment later, the next possible like best action, what's best for him, is to destroy the evidence he found and kill the only other witness. Like, uh, I, don't okay. know, I, I could see it. I can see that. But also, you do have some insight into his thought process through this book. You get to know what he's thinking. And he does seem like he's super into her. And he can't stop thinking about her. And he loves her until the moment that he doesn't love her because he cannot have to have a life. I don't think it was ever love, though. I think it's always been, I want this thing. This Uh, thing gives me clout, it gets me interest, it gets me views, (laughs) like literally with cameras all over the Capitol. Yep. And when every time there's even the hint of somebody else being into her, whether it's her past friends, family, lovers, or, you know, like she writes a song about a person, like these various things, he immediately goes super like control freak. Yeah. How dare how dare. But he's like also on his bunk at one point and he's like, I can't even eat because I just think about her all the time, blah, blah, blah. I, I will admit there's definitely some infatuation. He is, what, 17, 18? It yeah, okay, makes okay. sense that biologically he's gonna have some some pretty intense infatuation feelings. Yeah. This book is just written like, okay, so for, for everyone who maybe hasn't read it yet, there are three parts to this book and they are basically like three short stories that are very connected to each other, but they are completely different sections of life in the beginning it's like him at the end of his high school and then he gets chosen to be a mentor for the hunger games which they've never had before and the second part is what happens in the hunger games and the third part is what happens to him after the hunger games Mm -hmm. the whole the whole time through this thing it snows you sort of (laughs) his name is snow um (laughs) into thinking like might be an okay dude after all like he see, like he's self-centered and he just seems like you know every white male um <laughs> but like <laughs> um, yeah. yeah so like you know he, he's okay he's not nearly the like mastermind crazy dude i mean he is a mastermind he does show that but like he's not the guy who's from the hunger games at this point yet and mm-hmm. you're trying to figure out when that's gonna happen And then you watch it happen and it happens like instantly. One of the things that I actually really, really enjoyed about this book, and I kept noticing it happen over and over, which was he would switch back and forth. He would have emotional actions like (laughs) I felt sad or I could feel myself getting angry or whatever. Right. Like those would happen occasionally, but way more often the way he's written when, when portraying emotion is I took a sympathetic stance. Yeah. I gave off this body language to indicate this type of emotion. Like, mm-hmm. ooh. He's manipulating the environment that he's in at all times. Like, he's always on top of what his actions look like, what they sound like, what ramification they could have to his future. Every little thing that he does or thinks or says is, like, uh, part of the long game. Like he is playing a long game through this whole book. I just, I dig out what's done. 
Like yeah. while listening, I could tell like, ooh, <laughs> yeah. I can see what's happening. So you drop into the story and he's like super poor, mm-hmm. even though his family is like, uh, what, you, what would you say? Old that's money. Called? Old money. Yeah. It's more like they have clout, like they're an important family. Yeah. But they don't actually have any money. And but Not they're anymore. trying to like keep up appearances like they have money, but everybody knows they don't have money. And he, he's going to this school and he's he's dealing with people who are allowing him to be there because of his name, because of his dad. Mm-hmm. And his dad was like a war general or whatever. Yeah. And he's just trying to scrape by to get himself any advantage in in the world. I mean, he liked being rich. I mean, who wouldn't like being rich? Come on. Mm-hmm. But like <laughs> he really enjoyed it. So he spends a lot of this book trying to figure out how to get himself back to that stance and potentially help his mom slash cousin. No, aunt. No, He's that's not right. Is it his he... mom? No, it's definitely not mom. It's it's grandmam. Grandmother. Yeah, it's his grandmother and his cousin. Yeah. So he's he's trying to like get get it back and like potentially help his grandmother and his cousin out, but not. He does. He does seem like that is an important thing to him for quite a bit of this book, and then all of a sudden it just ch- turns on a dime. It's it's a really interesting thing to go through this experience with him and like realize how this one, well, these these three events, right? So he like essentially graduates from high school, and there's some stuff that goes on with that. He has to be a mentor in the Hunger Games, and he falls in love with one of well, the <laughs> the book leads you to believe that he is falling in love with his tribute who wins who is like definitely an, an odd person out for the winning yeah, thing just, of that. Yeah, you would not have guessed that she would win. Yeah, and he invents parts of the Hunger Games. Like, he's the one that comes up with some of the things that become, you know, famous in the Hunger Games and like helps manipulate the games into something that is bigger than it was when he's there. And then afterwards, he basically gets <laughs> sent to the army and he gets sent out to District 12, which is a very convenient because guess where his love is from? Mm. <laughs> yeah. So, but the whole time in all of these situations, all he's thinking about is how can this benefit him basically so he can get into a good college so that he can build his fortune back. Mm-hmm. It, uh, it, I, uh, I have all these like thoughts and I can't uh-huh. get them out. I think that we've discovered and discussed this several times now that when you're several books into a series it just gets for the most part better and better and better because you're learning more about things that you're already familiar with so i think that's part of what i really loved about this was finding out about the hunger games these various different elements that are being developed like right before this book takes place slash during this book or you can tell with the way that certain conversations and and ideas are being discussed how it leads to the Hunger Games of 64 years from now. Like, it's just, I find that very cool. I also really like this book because you don't have to have read or seen the Hunger Games to still get the same story out of it. You might have a different feeling about Coriolanus than -hmm. you do if you knew who he was in later in the Hunger Games. But I think you could read this actually as a first book if you wanted to i think there's definitely room for that i think it was it was well written in that way and i also really liked that she paid homage to both the books and the movies because mm-hmm. there are things that happen in the movies that don't happen in the books like oh that, i didn't catch that yeah i think that song that she makes up the hanging tree yeah isn't that in the books it isn't really and i don't think it's in the books mm-hmm. um 
it's in it's definitely in the movies though oh yeah like, it's 100 percent in the, in the movies but yeah for some reason i thought that there were several songs that were in the books i think there are songs in the books i just don't i don't think i i don't remember that those songs that song at all in it and i remember when i saw it in the theater and i was like that's weird that they got jennifer lawrence to sing a song because i don't remember katniss like they, they didn't outline what that song was or what the words were uh maybe that's it like, I definitely feel like songs happened, but I don't recall whether or not the lyrics were included. Yeah. And you get to find out, like, where that that happened from. But there's there's actually a lot of things that happen, like how Tigers is way more a feature of the movie than the books, I think, in, mm-hmm. in the last book, for sure. And there's just a, a bunch of things that happen. I thought it was really cool that the author went through the trouble to help explain things that happened in both the media, especially since they were slightly different from each other. Like, that was very courteous to her audience in both in both mm-hmm. ways. I very thoroughly enjoyed this book, which I'm sure we'll get to a little bit more when we go into, like, ratings and things. But specifics-wise, did you have maybe favorite places anywhere that you'd want to check out if you could go visit the Capitol or District 12 in person? I think that's pretty much our only settings. This is the Capitol, District 12. We don't yeah. actually see anywhere else in this book. I feel like the Capitol's in ruins at the time of this book, and it like got better by the time that the Hunger Games that we know came around like that 65 mm-hmm. years was good for the capital so i feel like i don't know that there's any place i would particularly want i guess i would want to see that rooftop garden oh, with the roses yeah. and stuff like that was intriguing to me and that's something that is definitely it's not a rooftop garden but in the movies they definitely show Coriolan as having like a san francisco isn't it like a greenhouse stuff. almost yeah it was it's yeah. like an atrium kind of situation it's crazy there's a there's one of those in the conservatory of flowers in san francisco it looks just like that it's really oh, it beautiful sounds pretty yeah so i'd like to see that how about you i'd actually kind of like to see not only the location but also a show at the uh what is it is it the hob or something uh-huh, uh, yeah, where yeah. the covey plays yeah like that sounds really fun like yeah. i it sounds like it's a good time and people have a lovely Saturday night every week, yep. <laughs> getting drunk, listening to music. Like, I, I I, can dig that. I feel like they show the hob in the movies because that's also where the, like, trading happens. And they... I don't remember. I'm, yeah. I'm going to be straight up here. Like, reading the book definitely brought back a lot of memories. And I was like, oh, I <laughs> recognize that thing. But it, it actually kind of really made me want to go back and <laughs> yeah, uh, do, like, a marathon through the movies. That'd be fun. Yeah, I own these movies, so I've seen them quite a bit, and uh, I I really want to watch a, do a marathon of them. Also, um, I think these mov- these these movies and these books for all all four of them now have all had the same reaction from me, which is I don't know if I like this, but I'm gonna keep reading <laughs> <laughs> because I'm not a person who likes to read depressing things. That's fair. I don't. I like scary things sometimes. I like adventure things. I like a, an oh shit moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but this this seems especially for you know the way the world is. I was like, ugh, this is heavy, like super heavy. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like the little moments of hope that mm-hmm. yeah, get crushed for the most part, but that's okay. <laughs> There's little <laughs> moments of really interesting things that. You can see characters coming together to do a thing or, mm-hmm. you know, I, I also feel like this, these books have a lot of cleverness yeah. that I enjoy. Like Katniss Everdeen yeah. is 
a clever character. The way that she and Peta make things happen, their mentor helps cleverly make things happen for them. And this book with Cornelia, Corio. That's it. They just call him Corio throughout most of the book. So let's do that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he's very clever. Yeah. And he is. everybody's thinking at every moment uh-huh. in the way that's talked about in the book. Like, I, I guess that means that I like how the book's written. Maybe that's yeah. what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I agree with that for, for sure. Uh, you can see how Katniss is a good foil for Cor- Coriolanus because of their cleverness matches each other. And in some ways, in a lot of ways, the Lucy Gray is mm-hmm. is kind of like Katniss. Like she she's not as bold in mm-hmm. the aggressive way that Katniss is, but she's, she's very less emotional clever. for sure. She, yeah. She seems to have more actually in a lot of ways more of a grip about what's going on and how to defeat it mm-hmm. than even Katniss did. So she's a she's also a good foil, but she doesn't go against Coriolanus at all, obviously, because they've she falls in love with him, let's just say that. <laughs> so and comes to a sad, sad demise because of that, which is freaking horrible. I'm I'm super sad about that because I would have liked to know about her life later. The fact that they use like that song, The Hanging Tree, and mm. that Katniss sings it on television in the third movie of, of The Hunger Games, mm. and she knows he's watching. I wonder if she knows the history because that's some poignant shit if that's true. Like that ups the level of Hunger Games like of Katniss's cleverness by a lot, you know? Yeah. I mean, I unfortunately I don't think that she knows. It yeah. still doesn't change the fact that we now as the reader yeah. know that there's a deeper meaning and that, that he probably felt some things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I I do recall something about Katniss saying like, oh, this is just an old song that's been around in District 12. Yeah. You know, and that's all that it means to her. It's like, oh, I've heard it a few times. Yeah. So I don't I don't think that she knows. Yeah. Is there any anyone in this book that you would want to have tea with? Um, These people are all horrible. <laughs> Tigress is pretty good. Yeah. Tigress is awesome. I would I would not drink a goddamn thing near nope. her. Nope. But Dr. Dr. Gall mm-hmm. from like a safe distance, maybe maybe on a Zoom call. <laughs> I would have a conversation <laughs> with with her because like I don't actually want her physically near her me in any way. She is dangerous, but I wish I could get inside her head a little bit. Like what what motivates you? What what is what are you doing? She reminds me of the doctors at Nazi death camps i could totally see it <laughs> like that's the level of fucked up shit oh, yeah she's fucked up and <laughs> yeah. i guess that's what makes me so curious like why like what yeah what <laughs> that's part of what made this book interesting right is we get to see how snow developed as yeah. the the grown-up that we see later on i want to know how the heck this chick developed right you know? Ugh. what about you <laughs> I can't, I can't actually, like, the people who I would probably have drinks with are probably, like, the, the Covey, because they sound like they'd be fun to, like, just chill with and, like, Absolutely. have a good time. But, like, if you wanted information, then you'd talk to the doctor, because the doctor is the only person in this whole book who's, like, not afraid to just lay it out how it oh, is. Oh, yeah. And will tell anyone who wants to listen about how it is. And so... You know, you you always have that thing about, well, I wouldn't want to talk to this person because they're probably not likely to give me any information. Mm-hmm. So she is the best person. Like even I think Tigress would be trying to keep up airs 
Yeah. Also, I have questions about Tigress because like in our heads, because we've seen the movies, Tigress looks a certain way where she's had genetic modifications to mm-hmm. look like a cat. But I don't think that that has happened yet in this book. No, I don't think so. I think that part of the reason that we see that uh, genetic alteration for the sake of cosmetic reasons, mm-hmm. that seems to be part of the whole excess of the capital. Sure, which. Yeah we can see in this book, they're starting to get in that direction. They're starting to have like a little banquet with foods that haven't been easily available to the city in a while. Like they're, they're starting to do that, but they're not quite the level of literally, Oh, we have a vomitorium to puke out excess food so that we can keep eating. Right. That we get later in the books. So, but like what, why is her name Tigress? That's what I keep wondering because, like, she clearly got modified to match her name, not the other way around. Which is when I saw yeah. the movie, that's what I would have expected. Is she got modifications and people just started calling her that? Yeah. Turns out, no, it's the other way around, and that is interesting to me. Hmm. So I that's guess I would want to know that. Thought about that. And like, what is her actual name? Everybody in this book has a weird freaking name. Yeah. Like, what's up with everybody's weird names? We got Billy. Okay, Lucy. there was Billy. <laughs> but but Lucy's not even Lucy. She's Lucy Gray because they always have a, a, a color. Name. Yeah, it's like a name that came from a song, a ballad, and mm-hmm. then a color. And you're like, okay, what was your name when you were born? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, baby. Yeah, I mean that wouldn't surprise me. The co- the covey seems abstract. I'm nodding uh, for those who can't see, which is everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some someday we'll do a video, one of these. That'll be fun. It, it'll just be me nodding at a lot of things. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Did you have any like favorite characters that like besides people you'd want to like actually hang out with? Like, is anybody like float your boat here? I don't know that necessarily anybody does. Yeah. How do I put this? I find everyone in the book actually very interesting. Yep. And people who I would absolutely be very interested in learning more about. But favorite, as in like, oh, I, I, I love Pinkie Pie. She's my favorite pony. Right. <laughs> That's just not a thing uh-huh. for this. I, I guess Tigress. If I had to pick somebody, yeah, I'm very inclined towards Sejanus. He is pretty cool. If I feel like to- so. Sejanus is a person who came from District Two, which is the like. Okay, so the districts are numbered in the order that they are far away from the capital, and the capital is on the west coast of the United States. And I, during the first Hunger Games movie marathon situation, I did not understand that. I, I would have thought it would have been the, the other way around and the yeah, capital would have been in hmm. It's not. The capital is, I think, like in Oregon. Hmm. Um, <laughs> there's a map somewhere. I'm looking it up right now. Or maybe, so the capital, the, the districts move away from the capital as they are numbered. So Sejanus is from District 2, which means that he is fairly close to the capital already. And the environment and, mm, shall we say, disposition of the people who live in there are like get crappier as you move up in numbers. So an, a two is actually pretty a good a good position to be in. The mm-hmm. victors of the Hunger Games are usually in District 1 or 2. And that's because those are the most well-fed children <laughs> in all of the districts. And therefore, they would be most likely to be able to survive because they have fat stores. Like, I think that's from the original books. Mm-hmm. So Sejanus is from number two, and his dad got rich somehow. I don't even remember how. And they have been moved to the capital, which Am- is a thing. What was that? I think ammunition. Does that sound right? Yeah, it does sound right. Yes. Yeah. So they moved, and that's not a thing. 
Like that doesn't happen very often. And so they are constantly treated as second class citizens because <laughs> they're from District 2 <laughs> <laughs> in the capital. But also in District 2, they would not be treated as one of their own either because they were super rich and moved to the capital. So Sejanus is raised in this environment where he really is involved with District 2. Like he, that's where his friends and family are. And his parents and immediate relatives are, are in the capital, but that's it. And he doesn't really love the capital. Like he still feels really bonded to district two. So he's in a weird position all the time. He's also just like a good person. Like <laughs> he believes in like, you know, mostly being good. And he's one of the people who wants to help out the revolutionaries in district 12 and like help them escape to get to what I think is Canada. Cause they keep saying North where there are no districts. So I'm thinking that's Canada. Uh, which is where we all want to flee <laughs> whenever we get threatened about the United States. We're like, oh, we're going to Canada. So that makes sense. Yeah. He seems like a good guy. Like, he seems like that would be a person who I don't always agree with what he's doing, but he doesn't seem like a complete shithole like the rest of them do. <laughs> yeah. And it's very telling that he is basically an outsider from yeah, everywhere. all other people in this book. Yeah. You know, even if we're not talking capital versus everybody else, where yeah. in the capital and in District 12, he's still not of yeah. the people that he's with. Yeah. Everybody yeah. thinks he's a traitor in some way. Yeah. Which is rough. That's That doesn't seem like a fun way to grow up. And Coriolanus, like, befriends him, but really it's not. It's, it, a, very it's a super reluctant friendship, practically just because other people are like, oh, he's your friend. And Cor he's like, I, oh, okay. Yeah, and it's like it's a it's a friendship of convenience for him. Mm -hmm. Whereas Sejanus like loves Coriolanus, like he's like you're like my brother. Like we did this thing together. We were the only decent people in the Hunger Hunger Games, even though that's not totally true. No. And like everything that Coriolanus gets does for Sejanus is actually just like either forced on him by someone else or it's like to serve his own purposes. So I feel like he doesn't have a a proper. This is a good friend of mine. I feel like he doesn't have a proper soul. Yeah, I mean, and that maybe that's why. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Everybody that he talks to, like he spends a lot of time with that one girl who ends up getting bitten by a snake and gets super disfigured. Do you remember? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. But anyways, he's working with her on a class project. And I feel like he says, oh, yeah, but she's not actually a friend. She's just meh. And yeah. I feel like everybody, he's like, oh, but they're they're lesser. They're lesser than me. Yeah. Pretty much yeah. constantly. I also, I I wanted to bring up that while Coriolanus is in District 12, that drives him crazy is a Mockingjay. Mm-hmm. It's very fun. I have to believe that someone, and I think it's the person who dressed uh, Katniss because mm -hmm. he's the one that started calling her the Mockingjay, he had to know, have known his history. There has, because there is no reason uh, to have it be that coincidental. So, I mean, remember that while he's in District 12, he mm -hmm. doesn't use his name. No one no one knows who he is, like, among the peacekeepers or cares. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, the only person that really kind of knows anything about him at all, really, is uh, Sejanus, right? Yeah, but sure. But, like, in his rise to power, it's possible that, like, he became famous and then people started talking about, like, oh, yeah, I was in the army with this guy. Mm -hmm. And he also sent Maybe. an initiative back to headquarters and came back approved to go out there and kill them. Yeah. I see what you mean. Like maybe, was it Sina? Sina? Sina, yeah. Was he the one that like dressed, dressed her? her? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Although he didn't give her the pin. The pin she... Yeah, he did. Did she? 
for some reason, I thought she got the pin while she was still in District 12. Uh, Maybe it was something else she got in District oh, 12. Oh, no, you are right. She I did feel like that. there was like an old seller of knickknacks and miscellaneous things. So in the books, that's what happened. And in the movies, Senna puts it on her, but mm. starts calling her the Mockingjay. And like, if you knew that piece of history and about how much those birds bothered him, and you were a person who was like Senna was, which was like trying to take down the Hunger Games and thought President Snow was a giant douche, then like, you would effectively get under his skin a lot by calling her that right yeah. and dressing her like that and putting a pin on her like that you know like i like the mental picture although no exactly seems like the type of person who would fight very hard to let people know that he has a problem with any like random ass animal like yep. oh the, nothing bothers me yeah like he, he has to be in control i just feel like there's so many coincidences that happen in this book then then it seems like kind of weird writing to do it that way like either this book sucks mm-hmm. because it's writing weird stuff weird connections in or there is actually some connection right yeah like there's too many of these coincidences like with the jabber jays and the mocking jays and then also with that song to mm-hmm. like not there either there has to be one or the other yeah i get you yeah no i know what you mean so is there anything else that you either loved or did not love about this book that you want to talk about the only other thing I can think of that we haven't really mentioned a lot of is how interwoven food and drink is with the entire story. N- not just this book, but also, of course, the original Hunger Games. And I don't think I, I necessarily realized it as much. Yeah. But here, food is constantly being described, either because it's food that reminds our main character of the war times when everyone was starving. They talk about cannibalism. They talk about stocking up food that is the, I think, lima beans. Like, he, he mm-hmm. hates them so much now because they remind him of this long period of starvation, like making do, but barely, right? And they also talk about the beginnings of excess in the capital. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're starting to get these scenes of big banquets and unnecessary amounts of fancy food shenanigans. It, eventually, no, I, I was going to say eventually food gets poisoned, which it, it does in the arena. Some water gets poisoned with rat yep. poison. I, I was thinking of the morphling at the very yeah. end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's not ingestible, is it? I mean... I think they drop it in the, onto their tongue. They have droppers. Oh, that is right. Okay, then I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> For some reason, I was thinking it was an injectable, but I guess not. I mean, Anyways. I, I think you can take morphine any way you want to. And and then, of course, there is literally the Hunger Games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do love how much they bring together this idea that this life-sustaining force is says a lot about everything. It says a lot about where it came from, who has what and how much, and whether it's excessive, whether it's just enough. Lucy eating his rose petal by petal. Mm-hmm. Little bits yep. and bobs of it. Like it, I find once I realized it, I found it fascinating to keep noticing it. Yeah, it's, does that it's, make sense? It's totally. It does. I have always wondered why it was called the Hunger Games because, like, no part of it is about hunger. It's like child on child murder. Like, most of the kids don't starve to death. They kill each other way before that happens. So, like, it's kind of weird to call it the Hunger Games. I assume that it was because they starved the capital out, or they were trying to starve the capital yeah. out. Yeah, and then, so that's what was happening then. And but- we can see in this book that at least at this time, they are also basically trying to starve out the tributes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, like in revenge from 10 years ago, I guess, right? Yeah. It's not and- until later that they 
the excesses become such a thing. And one of Coriolanus's like genius ideas that you find out about the Hunger Games is that he lets the audience participate by paying to have the tributes get some either food or water delivered to them in the Hunger mm-hmm. Games. Like we've all seen that in the the movies and the, the books previously that that's one of the things that people can do is is donate to that cause. And that was actually his idea. Mm-hmm. Was you know a little bit of food will make you go a long way in the Hunger Games. So. It's, it's all very interesting. I also, Sejanus's mom would send food to them, like cookies, and that, like, they talked about those cookies all the time. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I, I hadn't really noticed how many food things came I mean, up it's, in this. It's constant. It once is constant. You notice, which makes sense. Like, how often do we eat in a day? A lot. This is how chubby we don't, I am. You, you know, <laughs> think about it because it just it fades into the background of. Once you do notice, it, mm-hmm. it's important. It's important to life. Side note, when I was at your house, I went to the bathroom like 7,000 times and I was hyper aware of it. <laughs> I'm sorry? <laughs> it was very funny. I was like, she's going to think I have a urinary tract infection. Oh, I assure <laughs> you I did not notice. <laughs> That's so funny. For all I know, you could have gone to the bathroom zero times. I don't remember. <laughs> That's so funny. How like we get fixated on these little things. Yeah, I actually think of of it. This is a sign of how privileged I am. Where I think of the fact that I have to eat a whole bunch of times a day as annoying because it takes out time from the other stuff I'm supposed to be doing during the day. I'm like, oh my god, I forgot I have to cook dinner, and yep. that takes like an hour. Damn it. Which I think is part of the whole idea that society values productivity so highly yep. that that becomes exactly that case and why products like Soylent mm-hmm. can exist because yep. convenience becomes king. Yep. If every time I was annoyed with how much time cooking takes, takes I sh- mm-hmm. just sat there and thought about like all the people who would like literally kill to literally in this case literally kill yeah. to be in the position where they got to do what I'm doing I, I would have a different mentality about it and I really should do that yeah you mm-hmm. heard it here it first important. yeah all right you uh ready to do ratings and stuff yeah by the way I'm gonna introduce a new rating into this Ooh, okay and because I have a thing I want to uh, touch on what is your overall rating of this book I think I'm actually gonna go ahead and give it a f- five whoa which i know sounds crazy no but i can't i can't think of something that i would change i enjoyed it a lot and seeing the the background and even though i don't like anybody very much i enjoyed the process i think i would give it a a (laughs) 4.25 because all right so full disclosure to audience members who don't care about my life at all but (laughs) i was having an emotionally trying week last week Hmm. and uh, for a variety of different reasons things were coming up but like i i was just in a weird place and so listening to this book when i was in a weird place was not a good idea in fact for for many days i actually just stopped and i was like i'm gonna listen to harry potter because that makes me happy (laughs) and i switched out because i couldn't do it also this book was really like not i usually fall asleep to my audiobooks i could not do it with this book so there was that but later on in my ratings questionnaire i also have another reason why i rated this one slightly lower than a five do you think this book was worth a reread yeah the things that i noticed as i went along like the food stuff snow's control issues over his life and things i think it would be actually really fascinating to do a reread with those things already in mind yeah and just 
uh, getting yeah. to enjoy them again. I really, really liked it. I would probably reread this. What I would really like to do is reread this and then read The Hunger Games like immediately. I think that would be a fun, a fun, depressing four weeks of my life. <laughs> I also think this would make a really interesting movie because I don't know how Ooh, well- Did you hear that they're doing one? No. Yeah, no. I, I, I saw somewhere that they already like signed up whoever. Now, we already know because we've talked about it before that to some extent that doesn't matter that much. Mm-hmm. Sometimes deals happen and are announced and nothing actually comes of it. But yeah. at least, yes, it was totally announced that they were planning to do a movie. They need to get like Kiefer Sutherland's grandkid to play the young him. Because, <laughs> you know, all the Sutherland dudes look exactly the same. So, oh, perfect. Yeah. I don't even know if he has a grandson. That was just me making stuff up just so you guys know. Asterix. <laughs> okay. Would you recommend this book to a friend? Yeah. If you enjoyed The Hunger Games, you should read this. Yeah. Full stop. That's what I would say. It's like, if you were a person who can handle this, this is like not something like, I wouldn't give this to Marika, who is a friend of ours. I don't know maybe. if I would give this to her. Maybe maybe she enjoyed The Hunger Games. I would maybe. still recommend it. Okay. I would say, have you read The Hunger Games? Did you enjoy that? If so, then yes. yes. But that's literally the conversation I would have with anybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If there were other books in this series, would you want to read them? I mean, it's kind of a silly question. It is a silly question. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I mean sure. She could, re- she could write more prequels. Oh, that's true. Yeah. That's or like very distant sequels. You know, mm-hmm. there could yeah. be some interesting develops in the future. Yeah, for sure. I think that's a thing. All right. Here's my new question. What is your reader rating? Mm, what, like, what do I as a reader of the book feel about it? No. What do you think of the reader we listen to? The narrator. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, I thought he was fine. I think this guy sucks. Like hardcore. I did not like him at all. I I tolerated him. It wasn't quite book one of uh, Song of Ice and Fire where I was like, I cannot deal with this. But I was like (laughs) pretty close to I hate this guy. Yeah. The only thing I didn't like is that he didn't sing the songs. He read the songs. Like for some reason, I have this memory that the prior author for the the first three Hunger Games books, I feel like she did sing the songs yes but i also get it i understand why that was the thing that drove me absolutely batshit and this is why my rating is lower than a five is Mm. because like that was the most painful thing when he would just robotically read the first of all he's kind of a robot like he sounds like a like a guy who would he's reading off the shit on a astrazeneca commercial (laughs) that like at the bottom like here's all the things that could go wrong if you take this pill he's that guy (laughs) <laughs> and then when he was reading the songs, I was just like, I cannot even, I get no emotional f- support from this except rage mm-hmm. right now. Oh, so like, no. <laughs> and like they put music at the beginning of the book. So like mm-hmm. they had a budget for some of this stuff. Like they yeah. could have gotten someone to come sing that even if it wasn't him. Like that was garbage. You're audible. You are an Amazon company. You have money for this. Come on now. Fair. That's what I have to I, say about for that. For what it's worth, I don't remember feeling any annoyance at the... the I'm blaming Jeff Bezos like I do for everything else in this world. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> don't like it. All right. Are you ready for speed round? Yeah, let's go. If this book were an Olympic sport, what sport would it be? Swimming really fast in lanes. Oh, okay. Why? What, whatever that one's called. I'm sure it has a better name. Laps? Swimming? I don't know. I don't know <laughs> if they have like a long distance swimming. Sure. I don't actually They have watch. the relay. Well, they have, I mean, they have distance swimming. They have different meters and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like there's a, a level of danger involved. Like you literally could pass out from exertion and die because mm-hmm. you're in water. 
Yep. Like there, there's that ever-present danger. There's it's just exhausting, and that's the point of the sport is to exhaust you. Yeah, and I, I don't know. There, there's something about it that fits to me. So I don't normally give my answers in this, but in this one case, I'm gonna spit my mm-hmm. answer in, which is very similar to yours, which is the triathlon, because you mm. have to do these grueling things and one of them is swimming really hard but also running and riding a bike and like and also because this book is really three parts and three different stories that are kind of like connected together in like they are three different stories that happen in time sequentially Mm -hmm. she could have released three short stories and we would have bought into that yeah yeah i could see that if you could send any one gift into the arena what would you send I mean, water is kind of the first thing that comes to mind, just because it's the most, or Gatorade, (laughs) universally useful if you're in a dangerous hunger situation. Um, But my next thought is like a blanket. Yeah. I bet you it gets real damn cold at night when they have to like sleep in a tree or something. Right. Yeah, totally. Tree colored blanket. A tree colored blanket. That's that's. I guess camouflage is the word. There we go. If you were sent into the arena as a tribute, how do you think you would fare? That is... it's a weird thing because part of me says there's like this moral obligation to say like oh i would do terribly because i couldn't kill anybody but in a life or death situation i don't know oh i would totally kill people like (laughs) (laughs) remember i want to be a zombie so like (laughs) Uh, that's fair that's fair you want to kill people i mean you don't know what you would do in a situation like that i mean i'm sure we'd get picked off super fast because yeah. I'm chubby and I can't run fast but like honestly like if I survived long enough to get a weapon yeah of course I would use it please You're I feel like, like I might at least get to the top 12 like I'm good at hiding and mm-hmm. being super reserved in my actions mm-hmm. so I suspect that I could just simply outlast some of the more bold mm-hmm. folks mm-hmm. that that's I think where my strength would lie <laughs> so middling yeah I'll my take f- it my favorite word <laughs> <laughs> If you could change anything about this book, what would it be? Songs get sung. Songs get sung. Yeah, I'd pick a different reader. Three words to describe this book. You cannot use magic. <laughs> I won't. I'm going to use chaos, contract, and control. Oh, yeah. Those are those are good For ones. For some sweet, sweet uh, in-story references. <laughs> yeah. Did you think of that like while you're reading it? Like, yes, these are the three... I mean, they mentioned it several times, which helped. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he kept being like, the three C's. I was like, ah, perfect. <laughs> but uh, if I had to pick one, control. Yeah. Like, that, that's everything about this book, this character, the capital, everyone. All right. So uh, what are we reading next? We are reading One for the Money by Janet Ivanovich. Thank you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the first book of the Stephanie Plum series. Yeah. Is it a series or a trilogy? Oh, no. It is a crazy series. It has like 30 books and a bunch of different offshoot books. Wow. So I I have read some of these books and I very much enjoyed them. I read them at least 10 years ago and I am super excited to go back to them. They are cotton candy. So if anybody's yeah. listening is to it this. YA? No. No, it's not. No. It's, oh. No. No. It's a, about a bounty hunter. There is no magic in it at all. It's just about a bounty hunter running around and she has some antics and she's very silly and uh, the people around her are very silly and you can cast this movie in your head super easily like okay. it is, it's 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 after the hunger games this is the book we should read because it's very like you'll get through this super fast literally in eight hours <laughs> <laughs> yeah look so, forward to it at least yeah fun. 
I'm I'm stoked on this one. All right, guys, we have a little bit of homework that we always have, which is to rate this book on your purchase platform. Rate this podcast on wherever you listen to your podcast so that we know we're doing a good job. And follow us on Instagram at ladies who genre all one word if you would like to know what the upcoming books are, what we're reading right now, and have a little discussion with other people in the comments about the books that we are reading. 